Worship in the World is a screen-free worship experience brought to you by Downtown Church. Downtown Church is a community of unfinished people based in Columbia, South Carolina. We believe in asking honest questions while we strive to follow Christ with our own communities, loving people wherever they find themselves on their faith journey. Thank you for being with us today. the cavalry Don't let it get you Don't let it get you down Don't let it get you Don't let it get you down
Family, if we claim to be without sin, we are filing a false claim. We all sin. We all fall short. We are all a work in progress. Let us acknowledge that this morning through our prayer confession. Let us pray. God, we are made in your image, yet we don't take the time to see the God in each other. We often don't even see you within ourselves. We are more critical than understanding, more envious than supportive, more cynical than faithful. We allow the projections, prejudices, and assumptions of others to cause us to doubt your divine will and purpose in, in and for our lives. Forgive us, God, and hear our silent prayers. good news. God's forgiveness is abundant, available, accessible, and ours. Though we don't deserve it, we have it. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven, called to forgive, loved, called to love. Let us live in peace with God and each other. Amen. Before I read the scripture for today, I come bearing good news of our pastor Don Hyde gave birth to Stella Martin Hyde last Thursday. Um, everyone is well and healthy, um, so continue to pray for them. Yeah. Um, so for the next three months, if you need uh, a pastor, please reach out to Charles or myself. You can try to reach out to Dawn, but I don't think she's going to text you back. <laughs> Best audience up front here. Our reading today comes from the book of Genesis. 
continuing with the sermon series this summer, looking at characters on the margins. Hear now God's word for us from Genesis 21. The child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on that day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, playing with her son Isaac. So Sarah said to Abraham, cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of the slave woman will not inherit with my son Isaac. And the matter was very distressing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abraham, do not be distressed because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you, for it is through Isaac that offspring shall be named for you. As for the son of the slave woman, I will make a nation of him because he is your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning. He took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar. He put her, putting it on her shoulder along with the child, and he sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she cast the child under one of the bushes. And she went and sat down opposite him a good way off. For she said, do not let me look on the death of my child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and she wept. And God heard the voice of the boy. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what troubles you, Hagar? Do not be afraid. For God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Come lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make a great nation of him. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. She went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran and his mother got a wife for him in the land of Egypt. Friends, these 13 verses from Genesis are to us God's word. Thanks be to God. My title for today's sermon is Growing in a Different Direction. This week I came to the realization that I had found an enemy, my nemesis. And everyone needs one, right? Batman has the Joker, USC has Clemson or vice versa. And at this point in my life, I've discovered mine. English Ivy. English Ivy, y'all, it's everywhere. It's around my house. It's in my garage. It's in my nightmares. It, it pops up under the azalea bushes, along the foundation, in the garden. And I'll pull it up, but it just keeps coming back. I rip it out of the ground, but it continues to grow. Some would call it a weed. It's certainly persistent. It's resilient. Maybe it's like Hagar. But what does it mean to be resilient? My dad would always say, winners never quit and quitters never win. These words helped me uh, give me a bit of grit as an out-of-shape 15-year-old struggling to run wind sprints at basketball practice. 
but not to throw my dad under the bus, sayings like these lose their footing when said to a young slave girl in the midst of physical and sexual abuse. Hagar, who we read about today, is on the underside of every single power curve in operation. She is female, she is foreign, and she is enslaved. She doesn't need a pep talk about resiliency. She needs liberation. And she gets that. Along with God's providence, I think resiliency helped her get there. I found myself reading a speech last night. That's what most people do on Saturday nights. It was spoken on January 6th, 1874. Robert Elliott, the congressman from South Carolina, stood on the floor of the United States House of Representatives to speak in favor of the Civil Rights Act of 1875. Although he was addressing the entire assembly, his opponent in this debate was a Mr. Alexander Stevens of Georgia, the former vice president of the Confederacy. It's also important to note that Senator Elliott was black. In his conclusion of this argument centered around civil rights for all people, he quotes Ruth from the Bible. He says this, For over two centuries, our race has reaped down your fields. The cries and woes which we have uttered have entered into the ears of the Lord, and we are at last politically free. The last vestiture only needed is civil rights. Having gained this, we may, with hearts overflowing with gratitude and thankful that our prayer has been granted, repeat the prayer of Ruth, saying, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou live, I will live. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God will be my God." Eliot's speech ended in thundering applause. And he's talking about Ruth, who, like Hagar, is another fierce female in the Bible. Broadly, though, he's talking about resiliency. I mean, Eliot himself is a living, breathing example of resiliency. He's a black man elected to public office in South Carolina in the Reconstruction era. As he's speaking, he's staring down the man who was the vice president of a country created for the sole purpose of keeping him in chains. Elliot and Hagar have to be resilient because of the difficult circumstances they exist in. Whether it's 1870s America as a black man or the vast wilderness of Beersheba as a single mom, oppression is oppression. And honestly, I struggle to even comprehend these circumstances. I struggle with this scripture. I really do. I struggle with a God who allows awful things to happen to Hagar. Just as I struggle with organizations who in the name of Jesus tell LGBTQ persons that they are not beloved children of God. Just as I struggle with the classic definition of resiliency that automatically corroborates God in every awful thing that happens to us. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's another test. To doubt or to resist is a lack of faith. 
I think that these are the words of an oppressor. Words of the man who keeps plucking up the ivy. I struggle with this story. I struggle with the character that I play in this narrative because I know for sure it's not Hagar. Womanist scholar Dolores Williams struggles as well. Her field of womanism looks at theology, particularly through the lens of black women. In her book, Sisters in the Wilderness, Williams argues that for centuries, the burden of society has fallen on women and specifically women of color. Whether it's with Hagar, the woman tasked with giving birth and then tossed into the wilderness. Or the women enslaved in America forced to work as slaves and mothers. Or the mammies and the help and the often low-paid service positions that black women to this day are still disproportionately working in. Hagar's story is not unique. It's not isolated. She represents all those who have experienced pain, and importantly, God shows up. My old lacrosse coach would always say, it's not where you start, it's where you finish that matters. Complicated and difficult stories like Hagar's allow us to, in the midst of the murky waters of chaos, of deprivation and of abuse to look towards and work towards of ending of care and provision for all people. The experience of Hagar and her son Ishmael push us past the idea of God as some exclusive God and remind us that the God who watches over history is watching over the margins as well. Hagar lives on. Ishmael builds his own familial line. Their story continues because of God and because of her resiliency. And this is not to minimize or gaslight Hagar's very real experience of suffering, but to maximize the grace, compassion, and hope found in a God who meets us like Hagar in the wildernesses of our lives. So what does it mean to be resilient? This week, I read an article about Naomi Osaka. According to the professional rankings online, she's the second best female tennis player in the world. And she's 23 years old. Imagine where you were at 23, where your mind was at. And she made news this week when she dropped out of the French Open citing her mental health as the reason why. She admitted to having been struggling with anxiety and depression, especially when it comes to doing the post-match interviews. After being fined $15,000 for not appearing at a post-match press conference, she said, I need to take some time for myself. Now, a classic definition of resiliency would be for Naomi to toughen up. For her to show some grit, do the interviews, and get over yourself. And there are plenty of opinionated folks on the internet who are saying that. But a reimagined idea might look more like the story of Hagar's final trip into the wilderness. 
meaning that resiliency doesn't mean sitting complacently in situations of pain. Having faith in a God of liberation, I believe that resiliency requires being strategic and intentional with removing ourselves from places of oppression and working to do the same for others. It might look like taking a break. It might look like changing a habit, changing a relationship, changing a career. It might look like Naomi and it forced you to say, I need some time for myself. I look back at my nemesis, that old English ivy. I notice how it winds up the old fence on the edge of my yard. How it provides habitats for bugs, birds, and critters. I don't rip it out. I don't feel the need to. Because maybe resiliency isn't just about growing and pushing forward at all costs. Maybe it's about taking a pause to decide in which direction you should grow. Whether it's growing into the halls of Congress, growing into a new nation, growing away from abuse and oppression. May we be resilient. May we grow. May we grow in a direction of hope, in a direction of purpose, and in a direction filled with the love of our wilderness God. Amen. Consequence 
behind the tears inside the lies a thousand slowly dying sunsets god knows what is hiding in those weak and drunken hearts i guess the loneliness came knocking no one needs to be alone no saving hand and I hold it. People, help the people. Nothing will drag you down. Oh, and if I had a brain, oh, and if I had a brain, I'd be cold as a stone and rich as a fool that turned all those good hearts And rich as a fool that turned all those good hearts away. God of Hagar and Ishmael, and yes, God of Abraham and Sarah, same God, our God. When we are cast aside, remind us that we are resilient. When we are ostracized, remind us that we are resilient. When we are left out and lost, remind us of our resiliency. Help us to realize in the face of adversity, in those moments when we feel ill-prepared, that you still have a plan. Continue to show us that your grace is sufficient. Continue to show us the direction in which you would have us to move. When the odds are against us and we can't see the possibility when we don't understand why, give us the power, the courage, and the fortitude to keep showing up, and sometimes give us the power, courage, and fortitude to step away and walk away, to keep pressing on, but also to let go, to keep believing and to keep growing in the direction that gives you the glory. And now, let us listen to the prayer that Jesus taught us.
Now I invite you now to stand if you choose for the Apostles' Creed for the affirmation of faith. Please stand if you would like. Family, what do you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived of the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From whence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Wish I met you further along Gave you my older heart Still am strong But I wouldn't have the fire like I do today Oh, it burns for you, babe
against the wall Hold on, I gotta let it go The Avid Brothers has a quote in one of their songs that says, decide what to be and go be it. Decide what to be and go be it. May we decide to be resilient. May we decide to be kind, to be loving, to be like Hagar. May we love God and love people. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds until we meet again. Friends, go in peace. Amen. <laughs>